Welcome to a bonus episode on uh, Sunday's Sermon on the Transfiguration. There's really just one thing that I wanted to treat here. We uh, didn't even mention it in Sunday's sermon. In uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 12, right after the Transfiguration, they're coming down off the mountain. The disciples begin to ask about Elijah. Jesus responds, uh, Mark 9, 12, Elijah's indeed coming first to get everything ready. But why do the scriptures say that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? Um, Jesus asked the question about uh, scriptures and why they say the Messiah needs to suffer. Here's the problem. Nowhere in the Old Testament does it say that the Messiah suffers. So what is Jesus talking about there? Well, he is definitely talking about prophecies from the Old Testament. They're not clearly uh, related to the Messiah, but Jesus relates them to the Messiah. So we're going to go back through the Old Testament and look at four different motifs in the Old Testament that... uh, probably Jesus had in mind when he said this. Now, before we get into the Old Testament, this is not an isolated passage. It's really Luke as an author that develops this most. And a couple of these passages we have already looked at. In Luke chapter 24, we've talked about Uh, the two disciples who were walking to Emmaus. In verses 25 and 26 there, uh, Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into glory? Uh, In Luke, Jesus himself talks about the Messiah's suffering. Then again, same chapter, verses 44 to 46, when he's with the 12, he says, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus mentions Moses or the Pentateuch, the prophets, which includes both historical books and all of the prophets, and then the Psalms, which includes all of the writings of the Psalms, from Job to the Song of Solomon. He said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. So Jesus names a suffering, death, and rising on the third day. Now, following on in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3, verse 18, we see in Peter's sermon in the temple, God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Acts chapter 17, verses 2 and 3. Paul, 
now speaking in a synagogue in Thessalonica. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. And then finally in Acts chapter 26, uh, we'll read uh, verses 22 and 23 here. Again, Paul, but now when Paul is speaking to King Agrippa, God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. And here it comes. Verse 22, I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead. So there are five passages in Luke, plus the one in Mark, in which the Messiah suffers and direct references made to Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So let's take a look back at the Old Testament to see what Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms say about a suffering Messiah. So the first motif that uh, we're going to look at comes from the book of Isaiah. Jesus and the writers refer to the prophets. Isaiah is certainly one of the prophets. The second half of the book of Isaiah, from Isaiah 40 through 66, we have five songs of the servant of the Lord. Three of those songs make reference to that servant's suffering. In Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 to 13, we catch the second song of the servant. Listen to verse 7. The Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, says to the one who is despised and rejected by the nations, to the one who is the servant of rulers, and then he goes on. Reference is made to the servant of the Lord as one who suffers. In the third song, which is Isaiah chapter 50, from verse 4 to verse 11, the end of that chapter. In verse 6, the servant of the Lord says, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Again, the servant of the Lord suffers for his message. The fourth song is probably the most famous. It begins in Isaiah 52 verse 13 and runs through the end of Isaiah 53 verse 12. Several of the verses that we find here from 52, 14, they were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured 
he seemed hardly human, and from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. So we see such suffering that his face is disfigured. From chapter 53, verse 3, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. We looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Verses, uh, verse 5, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Well, you read that and you, you just think of Christ's re, uh, crucifixion. Verses 7 to 9, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. The suffering servant actually dies in this passage. A second motif is not just the suffering servant of Isaiah, but the prophets in general suffered. Now there are references to the prophet's suffering, and we're going to focus in on Jeremiah. But before we do that, I wanted to read a passage, several passages for you, from a book that's called The Lives of the Prophets. The Lives of the Prophets is a book that was written, it's officially part of what's called Second Temple Judaism. Um, it's the period after the exile up until the destruction of the temple in 70. It actually extends a little bit beyond that and goes a little bit before that, but uh, that's not important. The important thing is that these are stories and thoughts that would have been contemporary to Jesus. Although the writing of this particular book probably comes later than Jesus' lifetime, the stories and the ideas were around for Jesus to hear. This is not canonical. It's not part of our scripture. It is part of literature that's written during the intertestamental period. But it shows what they were thinking. It gives the story of the martyrdom of several of the prophets. Isaiah from Jerusalem died under Manasseh by being sawn in two. <clears throat> Jeremiah was from Anathoth. He died in Tophni of Egypt, having been stoned by his people. Ezekiel. This man was from the land of Arira, of the priests. He died in the land of the Chaldeans during the captivity after, prophe after having prophesied many things to those in Judea, 
the ruler of the people Israel killed him there as he was being reproved by him concerning the worship of idols. Other prophets are mentioned, prophets like Daniel and Hosea, but it says of them that they died in peace. But when it comes to Micah, Micah the Morathite was of the tribe of Ephraim. Having done many things to Ahab, he was killed by Joram his son at a cliff. Then Amos was from Tekoa, when Amaziah had tortured him sorely. At last his son also killed him with a club by striking him on the temple. Other prophets are mentioned who died at peace, but we end with Zechariah. Zechariah was from Jerusalem, son of Jehoiada the priest. Joash the king of Judah killed him near the altar. Matthew chapter 3, verse 35, mentions this. So we know Jesus had knowledge of these stories. Prophets suffered. We're going to look specifically at the prophet Jeremiah. During Jeremiah's prophecy, he actually writes of some of the difficulties that he had as a prophet from Jeremiah chapter 11, starting to read in verse 18. Then the Lord told me about the plots my enemies were making against me. I was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. I had no idea that they were planning to kill me. Jeremiah refers to plots against his life. Some of those plots are actually carried out in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 18, the people said, come on, let's plot a way to stop Jeremiah. We have plenty of priests and wise men and prophets. We don't need them to teach the word and give us advice and prophecies. Let's spread rumors about him and ignore what he says. Then finally, Jeremiah chapter 26 tells the story of how Jeremiah was taken to the king's court, tried and found guilty. Then in Jeremiah chapter 20, uh, excuse me, uh, chapter 37, we have Jeremiah who is called by the king he is accused by the priest, Hananiah. He's condemned to die, and they drop him in a cistern where he is going to die. Friends of Jeremiah sneak him bread and eventually even dare to lower a rope and pull Jeremiah out of the cistern in which he's been now for weeks. Jeremiah was one of the prophets who suffered. In an interesting take on the book of Jonah, Jesus actually quotes Jonah. They come to Jesus 
they ask him for a sign that they might follow him. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, Jesus responds and says, verse 39, only one sign I'll give them, and it's the sign of the prophet Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Some believe, and Jesus may have been one of those, that Jonah was actually dead in the belly of the fish. The belly of the fish vomited Jonah up on dry land, and the Lord brought him back to life after three days. And so, Jesus relates that to a suffering prophet who dies and is resurrected after three days. The third motif that we'll look at comes from Moses. Uh, Jesus and Luke actually refer to Moses by name, to the prophets, and to the Psalms. Here in the third motif, we will look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see this blazing father, fire, for we will die. Moses goes on to say, the Lord said, I'll raise up a prophet like Moses from among the fellow Israelites. I'll put words in his mouth. He'll tell the people everything I commanded him. Moses predicted a prophet like himself. In Acts chapter 3, Verse 22, as Peter preaches his first sermon in Jerusalem, he says, he quotes this passage, Acts chapter 3, verse 22, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet, will be cut off from God's people. Peter goes on to say, God raised up Jesus. Now, it's interesting that in Deuteronomy 18.15, and again in Acts 3.22, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet. This is the very same word that is used to describe the resurrection of Jesus. God raised up Jesus. Very same word. So it's obvious how they make this connection. Later in the book of Acts, chapter 7, starting in verse um, 20, Stephen 
is making a defense of Christianity before the Jews who are about to stone him. And starting in verse 20, he begins to talk about Moses. Listen to some of the things that Stephen says about Moses. In verse 27, after describing how Moses killed an Egyptian to defend an Israelite, the next day he went back and he found two Israelites fighting with each other and he tried to stop them. But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you a ruler and a judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Moses was rejected by the very people that he was trying to defend. Later on in verse 35, God sent back the same man, Moses, that his people had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. Notice the similarities here with Jesus. His people rejected Moses, but God sent him as a savior. His people rejected Jesus, but God sent Jesus as savior. And so, in verse 37, Stephen also quotes, Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Stephen goes on to explain that that prophet is Jesus. Verse 39, our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. Stephen goes on, he talks about Jesus. And at the end of what he says, verse 52, he says to the Jewish leaders, name one prophet your ancestor didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered, but you deliberately disobeyed God's law. And at that, the Jewish leaders stoned Stephen. The prophet like Moses, Moses also rejected. Moses also turned away by his people, just like Jesus was. But now, in the fourth motif, we look at the book of Psalms. Psalms is also mentioned specifically as... Uh, a place where prophecy of a suffering Messiah occurs. And we absolutely see it. Now, in a different section of our YouTube channel, if you look under the playlist Psalms, you can see my short study of the Psalm 22. You might want to take a look at that when you finish here. Psalm 22 is one of the Psalms that speaks about David who suffers and yet the language that he uses. Listen to Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus actually quotes that on the cross. Listen to verses 6 and 7. I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer 
They shake their heads. Verse 14, my life is poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. That's actually quoted around the crucifixion. And then verse 18, they divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing, also quoted during the crucifixion. Psalm 22 tells of David who suffers and the Messiah, David's son, also suffers. Psalm 118, very similar. Gives thanks, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. But listen to some of these verses. Verse 5, in my distress I prayed to the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. Verses 10 and 11, though hostile nations surrounded me, I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. Yes, they surrounded and attacked me, but I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. Verse 13, my enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. Then verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's a wonderful thing to see. Again, this verse is quoted in reference to Jesus, the Messiah. These two Psalms, 22 and 118, together with Psalms like Psalm 38, Psalm 41, Psalm 69, Psalm 88 and 89, and Psalm 109, all tell of David who suffers, and they are extended to David's son, the Messiah, who also suffers like David did. So if we look back at these four motifs, the suffering servant in Isaiah, the suffering prophets, the prophet like Moses. Moses also suffered and was rejected. And finally, the Psalms that refer to David's suffering and the suffering of his progeny, the Messiah. Apparently, Jesus and the early church drew from all of these motifs and said, when the Messiah comes, at least initially, he's rejected, he's abused, he suffers, and he dies. Jesus himself said the sign of Jonah. He was dead for three days, and then he came back to life. The early church picks up on all of that. So when Jesus talks about how it's clear in the Old Testament that the Messiah would suffer, die, and rise from the dead, these are most likely the passages that he was referring to. 